your feet. Let's put our hands together and welcome my friend and the friend of this house, Dave Martin. Let's oh, go. Oh, my goodness. I think um, y'all could be seated. God bless you. Right after you just got comfortable, he made you stand up again. That's all on Jason, man. Although, I'm going to take that video with me and just show it whenever I preach at my own church. Um, what a hype guy, man. I love Jason. Jason is the best. And Angie, and I'm telling you, the, the good ones make it look easy. And um, I, as a recovering pastor's kid, so I grew up in a house as a pastor's kid, um, and I didn't go to church for close to 13 years. Um, the reason why is because I just lean more scientifically. Anybody can relate to that? I didn't like the idea. At some points, I felt like I had to check my brain at the door to believe in God, um, even though I was raised as a pastor's kid. But honestly, what kept me out of church for over a decade um, we're just how, just people. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just folks? Maybe you know one or two, I don't know. But it, it really allowed a bitter root to grow up in my spirit is what happened. And I got cheated for over a decade of being in the house of God, worshiping with brothers and sisters, and I became an island kind of to, unto myself. And I married a woman who also had been hurt in church. And so neither one of us were really excited about going to church anywhere. And it wasn't until I had a near-death experience in 2002 at the age of 31, I began to take an account of my life. And near-death experiences have that way, don't they? When you're kind of facing something, you don't know what's next. And I was in the ER with major heart complications, and they couldn't stabilize me. I'd never had a problem with my heart before in my life. And as the hours went on, I progressively got worse, and they said, Mr. Martin... Basically, if we can't get you stabilized, you're either going to have a stroke, a heart attack, or form a blood clot, and it's going to be fatal. So here's what we're going to do. Now, this is the way I heard it and understood it. So those in the medical field, you get probably more of what I'm about to say. But here's the thing. They said, we're going to come back in 15 minutes, and we're going to turn your heart off, and then we're going to shock you and turn you back on. We'll see you in 15 minutes. And so I'm laying there, and you know it's one thing to talk about Jesus and what your spiritual beliefs are when you're having a latte at a coffee shop. It's a whole other thing where you're laying in the ER and you got 15 minutes because what if you don't come back? And the question that real honestly got me was, what if all of this is really true? Like I knew a lot about God, but I wasn't sure that I knew Jesus. And I learned in that moment there was an eternity difference between those two things. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to live to see the sunset today. I'd never had a thought like that before. And maybe you can relate to that. I'd, I'd never had that. And then I began to go, what is going to happen on the other side of my last breath? The truth is, is we will all have that day, right? And I had no intentions of sharing this, but my point is this. Um, I began to think about what I was on this planet to do. And I felt like I'd missed what, whatever my purpose was, I'd missed it. I didn't know if I knew the Lord. And so I prayed. Spoiler alert, I lived. But at the time, <laughs> but I'm laying there and I said, God, if you can hear me, I want to know what it means to know you and not about you. And I want to know what you put me on this planet to do. Would you please give me another shot at life? I want to raise my son who was five at the time and... I just want to do better. Would you please heal me in Jesus' name? Amen. And as soon as I prayed, immediately my heart went right back to normal. 
like three minutes later, because this was a 12-minute process, about three minutes later, they rolled in all the carts, all the machines, all these things, and they were like, well, what happened to you? And I'm like, I think God healed me. (laughs) They're like, yeah, whatever. All right, get out of here, you loser. But then I started going to church. And um, it's amazing what biblical community, when it operates in unity, is able to produce. God actually commands a blessing on brothers and sisters when we dwell in unity. Doesn't mean uniformity. Unity. Protected at all costs because I'm a living byproduct of a church that wasn't perfect, but they welcomed me in 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 my 30s and saw something in me that I could not see in myself. This guy by the name of Kyle Donahue who's gone to be with the Lord He just took me in under his wing. I did not want to be his friend, but he made me be his friend because I was just like real super standoffish because I didn't like church people still. And I thought he was a church person and he was, but he just forced friendship on me. You ever have those kind of people in your life? And um, he told me about a year into this process, he's like, David, this is the way he talked. He's like, David, you'd make yourself a good pastor. And I'm like, what? Whatever. But he wouldn't let it go. That led to me becoming the youth pastor at First Baptist Church, Pipe Creek, Texas, 78063. Thank you very much. And, and it's been 20 years, and it's been 19 years, and it's been the best 20 years of my life. I, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is that um, don't take for granted what the Lord's given you and where he's got you. You're in process. So to the achievers in the room and the box checkers feeling like you're behind or you're too far ahead and you don't know where you're at, Would you please today just let God love you today, okay? Would you just let him love you? He's got you and he's got it. He doesn't need you to play his role in your life. Be a child. Trust him. His way is faithful. So let's pray. Otherwise, I'm going to wind up preaching a whole other sermon and by accident. Father, in Jesus' name. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, it's your word. It's, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you're the one who illuminates. And so, God, I don't know why you put that on my heart to share, but I know that that is going to speak because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so, by those two things, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just now release your spirit through this word. I thank you for the worship, Lord, that was received and and given by your children. And so, Lord, in the same spirit, I pray that we would continue to worship through our obedience and submission to the word of God. I pray a blessing specifically in that not one person watching online or in this room would leave this hour without receiving fully all that you have apportioned for each and every one here. So I thank you that you're a generous God and there's plenty to go around. So Lord, would you now speak to us in power and beauty and conviction so that we can say yes to you in every area of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen, amen. Well, we're in the series called Live Out Loud. And speaking of loud, I could probably go down a little bit. Um, I don't want to I just don't want to blast you guys out, but if you can turn my mic down just a little bit, that'd be great. But basically the heart behind the series that Jason put, God put on Jason's heart was to inspire us to live out loud. What does it mean to live out loud? To have faith again. To begin to dream towards bigger things that the Lord has for each and every one of us. And I believe it's the type of faith that honestly that once 
to show that what God says of himself in Ephesians, where he is a God that is able to do above and beyond anything that we could ask or imagine. We still got some pads going up. We got some ghost keys up here, but I kind of like it. It's all good. But here's the thing. Um, I don't know how the last couple of years have been for you, but I'll speak for myself. Um, 2019, my family and I were living in Colorado. We, we actually attended this church for like four years. This church was a wonderful place for us. You know what they did for me? They just let me sit and worship. And even though I traveled and I was a preacher and I did worked with students, they weren't just coming up going, okay, we just want to squeeze you dry and make you serve in you know, this 14 other different areas. Sometimes if you're here and maybe you came from another church that operated that way, it's okay to sit here and just let the Lord heal your heart a little bit before you jump back in. And they gave that to me. And so I just got to sit here and, and just soak every week and get Pastor Jason's preaching, and it was amazing. All that to say, we moved to Colorado. Then the Lord says, it's now time to come back. I've been in youth ministry for 17 years up to this point, and then God said, I want you to start leading a big boy church in San Antonio. And I got to tell you, I really love being a lead pastor uh, because I get to preach to people who look more like I do than the perpetual 15-year-old that was in front of me for the first 17 years. You know what I mean? Um, so it's nice uh, to preach to people who look a little bit more like myself. But So we moved down. We're super excited. This is August of 2019. And then, uh, I don't know if you saw in the news around March of 2020, there was a couple of hiccups in the world uh, called COVID and shutdown and carnage and weeping and pestilence and everything else, right? And um, that just kind of began the journey and uh, of the last three years. And shortly after we went on lockdown, uh, my 11-year-old daughter, she came downstairs and she said, Dad, I, I think I passed out in my bedroom. And I was like... Well, what do you mean? Have you eaten today? Because we were on that COVID diet where she was just like eating ice cream for breakfast because who cares? The world's going to end anyway, right? So we let her eat whatever she wanted. And um, she, she, it wasn't that. And so we took her to uh, the clinic because my, my brother, who is an RN, said, kids nor don't normally pass out. You need to take her to the doctor. So we went. They ran scans on her chest, and she had masses all in her chest. And this is about a month in. This is right around Easter of 2020. And uh, that just, uh, that put us on a, another journey that we weren't expecting. Didn't ask for. Really didn't feel like we even deserved. And um, in the middle of that, I'm learning how to lead a church with COVID, you know, or in, throughout the COVID season. And in the middle of all that, my wife and I, who, you know, we've been married for going on 27 years at this point, like 24, I didn't know if we were going to make it out of 2020 because things like that have a tendency to really affect so many areas in your life you didn't even see coming. And we're Christians. We're both pastors. My wife's a worship pastor at our church. I'm the lead pastor. So don't think just because my name, I have pastor on the front end of my name that I've got it all figured out. It really exposed a lot of things that we just weren't paying attention to. And I didn't know. But I will tell you, there were moments in 2020 and 2021 where out of nowhere, the enemy would just say, why don't you just end it? Why don't you just fast track your way to heaven? This person doesn't love you. This person doesn't like you. You're never going to be over. You're never going to get over that issue in your life. You're always going to have people who bring that kind of pain. And it would come out of nowhere. And I got to tell you, I don't think like that. But can I, I just want to share with you that you're talking to a guy who's about to share something with you. I understand the weight of what I'm about to say because it's a very encouraging word, believe it or not. But sometimes when we hear this word, we go easy for him to say. Well, all I can tell you is that I'm a trophy of God's grace and the truth is you are too.
because we're all sitting here. We made it this far by God's grace, okay? We got to get up to see another day. My marriage is better than it's ever been because we went to counseling and I learned that a lot of the problems were me. I didn't see that. Um, I didn't realize that. I thought it was her. Um, so she likes me now, which is wonderful and it's a, it's a great thing and I'm very, we're, we're happy. We're actually very, very healthy. Um, but speaking also of health, our precious baby girl who's now 14, she's now classified as a cancer survivor. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Father. And... Um, Our church is doing good, and I I just feel that I share that with you because I want to invite you into my world a little bit before I share this, because if you and I were having coffee, maybe you would share a lot of similar type things. Maybe you're not married anymore to the person you were married to in 2019. Maybe you've lost people in your life. Maybe you've lost jobs, or maybe you're dealing with a health issue, and I don't know. I don't know what you would share, but my feeling is, is the last couple of years for all of us in some way or another has been a bit of a beatdown. The thing is that I've learned in my own life is that when these moments and seasons happen to us, naturally what we do is we go into survival mode. That is not bad. God actually hardwired you to go into survival mode because survival mode gets you to the next day. The challenge is, is that when you have wave upon wave upon wave of setbacks and issues and challenges and enemies and battles and hurts, habits, hangups, you just start filling in all these blanks over a period of time, what can happen is, is that survival mode actually becomes a lifestyle. And so as sons and daughters of God, where I think many of us, if we're being honest, are kind of still in a, when's the next shoe going to drop position? And it's kind of like the way that our world is currently living, which is why it's freaking out all the time, which is why people are so angry and they're scared and they're so polarized and divided because they're trying to find a place to put their feet and make sense of this place. It's fear driving it. It's anxiety. And it's in our lives too as sons and daughters of God. But God is calling us at the same time to live out loud. We can and we are, but what volume and what is actually coming out of our lives loudly, I guess is probably a better question to ask. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord, I believe today, he gave me this word to share with you because I believe the Lord is saying it's time to step out of survival mode. I have better for you. I have a future and a hope in store with your name on it. It's not too late and you're not too early. By virtue of the fact that you're sitting in this room at this moment in that chair to hear this word, his word never returns void. So what I'm about to share with you is true for you. The question is, will you have the faith to receive it and begin to move forward in what the Lord gives you? Let's find out. See, the thing is, is if we were talking about this, I would take you to the story of Joshua in the Old Testament. Um, Anybody familiar with him? Okay. All right. The rest of y'all, just some pagans. Is that what y'all are? <laughs> Joshua. Okay. So, so here's the thing. So Joshua, if you don't know, if you're backing up all the way to, to make sure we're all on the same page here. So the Hebrews have been in slavery for over 400 years. They've been born generation into generation under this tyrant and, and they're, they're in slavery. They have no room. They have no freedom to dream, to build, to do anything except be a slave. But then it says the cries of God's people reached God's ears and heart and he responded and then he raises up a leader named Moses and Moses leads these Hebrews out of Egypt, out of slavery, 
right? Into freedom. They run up to the Red Sea. We all know about that, right? He raises his staff. It splits open. It's amazing. It's crazy. They walk across. Of course, just like the devil always does, he's trying to pull you back. So they were chasing the, the Hebrews into the Red Sea. But sure enough, as soon as they get in the middle of it, the Lord just like slammed down the water on top of them and made them into fish food. It's absolutely amazing. And then on the other side of that, all these Hebrews are now in the wilderness. And for the next 40 years, they're in the wilderness. But I want to say, the reason why I bring this part up is because some of you are in a wilderness this morning in some area of your life. And it's easy to go, I think God is leaving me here to die. But let me tell you something about the wilderness. I've learned in my own life that the wilderness actually is designed to refine, to mature, and to increase your dependency upon the Lord. Because the promised land is where the Lord wants to take his children. This is a parallel story. This is a type and a shadow of what the Lord does for us in Christ. Okay? He wants to lead us to the fulfillment of his plan in our lives. That is our promised land. But if you get the promised land too soon, what it will be is it was intended by God to be a blessing. But if you get to the blessing and you haven't gone through the process of the wilderness, that blessing will become a burden because you won't know how to manage it, which is why we don't give cars to five-year-olds. Do you see what I'm saying? Honestly, even 16-year-olds, it's still dicey as a parent of a teenager. Why? It's a blessing, yes, but it has to come at the right time, and there has to be a refining, a maturing, in order for that to be a blessing perpetually. So, they get through 40 years. Moses has now passed away. The Lord says, now I'm raising up a new leader by the name of Joshua, and this is what he says, jumping into chapter 1, verse 2. God said to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead, and therefore the time has now come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. So God tells Joshua on the front end two things. Number one, there's going to be another obstacle in front of you. Expect it. But the second thing is, he says, the time has now come. And when I read that, I got to say this. I don't know who this may apply to, but I'm telling you, the Lord is saying that to people in here. He's saying it to someone watching. You've been in the wilderness. The time has now come for you to move forward. The time has now come for you to step into the promise that God has for your life. But it's going to require a forward faith. The reality is this. It's going to have to require us this morning to begin to make decisions to no longer live and make decisions as survivors. From a survivor's mindset or perspective, we're going to have to transition from that into a forward faith. Because you can have faith this morning, and I believe the Lord's going to inspire new faith in your spirit. But what is going to make the difference between you and the person sitting next to you is their willingness to begin to take steps forward with the faith that God gives them. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And the truth is this for the Israelites. They could not get to the promised land unless they were able to step forward in faith. The promised land was not going to come to them. They had to go to it, which required a living out loud forward type perspective to trust that the Lord has good in front of them. And my fear is, is for many of us, we don't believe that deep down inside, and it bothers us to say this, we don't believe that God has good in front of us.
we have to believe this. We have to believe that because God is good, God has good in front of us. But how we define good is maybe where we get tripped up. Because often our definition of what we call good is not God's best. We have to let him determine what our future looks like. But God is faithful. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, the scripture says, or his seed begging for bread. God wants to be faithful in your life because he's faithful. That's who he is. He cannot not be himself. Will we allow him to be faithful? But in order for him to show his faithfulness, we have to take steps in forward faith. All right, so God tells Joshua this. He says, here's how you're going to get into the promised land. And this is what he says. He says, don't pull out a whiteboard. Don't pull out a spreadsheet. Don't get on Instagram and follow your favorite motivational accounts. Study the word of God. That's what he says. He says, Joshua, study the book of instruction, God's word. He said, continually and meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. He's saying, don't only just read the word of God, but you need to meditate and then obey it. He's not saying not and not, you don't have, of course, there may be some spots in there that you don't like and, or maybe even disagree with. Those you can just kind of ignore. Just obey the parts that really inspire you that you like. Do you see this? In, is that what God's telling to Joshua? He's saying, my word is my word and my word stands. And I do believe that some of us are stuck in the wilderness because of this one issue right here. Two things. Either A, Sunday morning at 11 o'clock is the only time that you get the word of God. It doesn't make you bad but you're literally starving for another six days before you show up again on, on the seventh day to get some food, to get the word of God. If you want to move forward in your life and see God lead you to the promise and the fulfillment of his plans in your life, you have to learn how to feed yourself. That is a sign of maturity. At one point, we all sat in high chairs and people went, here's the food, here's the airplane, num, 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 num. But it's weird if you got like a 30-year-old dude sitting in a high chair, and you got me going, num, 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 weird, okay? We would say, that is not normal. You're right. You're right, it's not normal. For people who've been walking with the Lord for 5, 10, 15 years, it really, to the point where you get a fork and you don't stab yourself in the eye, that's, that's how old you should be to be able to feed yourself, right? So, we can't get mad at the pastor. We can't get mad at the preacher going, well, I'm not getting enough meat. Well, you know what? If you're able to articulate that, that means you're able to feed yourself. My point is this. The word of God is for you. Well, I don't know how to read. And you could do the audio Bible. God says the way forward and if you want to prosper and you want to succeed, Joshua, then look at the word of God. He says, if you want to succeed and prosper in your life, obey the word of God. The other challenge is, though, is that sometimes in 2023, Christians go, that part of the scripture, that's not really what God was saying. Then other parts of the scripture, no, that's not really relevant for us anymore. You need to be very careful of these types of folks. Because what they are really doing is the exact same thing that Satan did in the Garden of Eden. And he went up to Adam and Eve and said something. He said, did God really say? Is that what he really means? 
Guys, he's God all by himself. He's not a senile old man up in heaven that just wrote some stuff on a napkin and said, here, just obey this. It's the word of God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, has the ability to divide motives and bone and marrow. It has its ability to be able to stand the test of time and to think that we're going to show up with our little 70 years worth of experience and start saying, I could have written this better, God, is the height of arrogance. And it could be that's why he can't take you to the promise because you can't trust his word. If you can't trust his word, you can't trust his promises. Okay, that was all free bonus material. I don't know where that came from. But just take the word of God. And if you don't like it, I understand there's things I read too that I don't like. But guess what? It's not up to me. The creation doesn't have the right to tell the creator, I'd like a second edition of what you've written. All right, I got to get on. The only thing that will prosper and succeed is the reading, being in the word of God and obeying it, whether we like it or not. The first key to activating a forward faith, I would tell you, is to meditate, follow, and obey the word of God, the Bible. Here's the thing. If you want to know how to get to the promised land in your life, wouldn't it be nice to be able to actually see the path in front of you illuminated? Well, the Bible actually says this of itself in Psalm 119. Your what? Your word. Your what? Your word, the Bible, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light for my path. It's just easier to be able to get to the promised land when you can see the path in front of you. And so God says, obey my word, obey my word, stay in my word, let it teach you and guide you, you'll be successful. But then he says this to Joshua. He says, trust in me here because I got a command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Why is he saying that? Because he's saying you're still gonna run up against some problems, son. I'm just letting you know on the front end, when when this happens, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid. And I believe God is saying to you today, as you take steps to live out loud with a forward faith, don't get discouraged or afraid when you start bumping up against unforeseen enemies and battles. He's saying, I will be with you though, Joshua, wherever you go. And God's word is for you. This is your inheritance through Christ. The word of God is for you. So what God is saying to Joshua, God is saying to you, saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will go with you wherever you go. So when you go and get the x-ray on Tuesday and you're nervous, God is saying to you, don't forget, I will fulfill my promise in your life and I will be with you as you lay on the MRI table. That's what he's saying. When you go, I'm so afraid my husband and I are going to argue again about that thing. It turns into a blow up. You go, God, I need your wisdom. What does your word say about my response, if anything? But I thank you, Lord, that if I trust you, I can follow you into these sensitive conversations because you promise not to leave me. You'll be with me there. Maybe there's another way forward into the promise and the healing of our marriage. This is how beautiful the Lord is, guys. Why is he telling Joshua that? Because the truth is, is that we will face battles and enemies in our paths as we follow and obey the Lord. So don't think just because you're obeying God now and moving forward with a forward faith that you're not going to have enemies and battles. And this is where the devil shows up if we don't know any better. Because what will happen is, is we start going, okay, all right, that hyper bald guy from San Antonio wasn't half bad. He's got some good stuff to say. I'm ready to move forward with a forward faith. I'm going to take a step. And then there's a, there's a battle. There's an enemy. There's an obstacle. There's something standing in front of you. What will happen is, is like, huh, yeah, 
Well, look what... Look, if the Lord was in this, why would you be dealing with these people hurting you, saying these things? Why would you be dealing? You just lost your job. You were excited with the forward faith on Monday or Sunday. Now you lost your job on Wednesday. What it, clearly, the Lord is not for you after all. I, trust me when I tell you this could happen. I think sometimes we can sell salvation like if you say yes to Jesus in faith for salvation, your life will be awesome, your spouse will be more beautiful, you will have more money in your account, you will have a nicer car, you will get the job, you will get the grade, you'll get the university, you'll get hair. Whatever it is that they promise, clearly that's not true, right? If you say yes to Jesus, your life could be wonderful. By whose definition? Because my life following Jesus has been absolutely blessed and hard all at the same time. Welcome to following Jesus in a broken world, guys. It happens at the same time. Hard battles, blessings beyond belief. But if we're only wanting that, then of course we're going to get disappointed. And of course we're just going to go, you know, I'm just going to set up a tent in the wilderness and forget about it. That's not God's best for you. So a forward faith, remember we're having coffee and I'm sharing this with you. A forward faith would require us to be strong and courageous in the face of obstacles and enemies that will be in our path. But can I just tell you something real quick about this? Think about wars and battles. Why do they take place? They take place over things of value and territory. People don't show up and fight battles for things that don't have any value. People and militaries and countries show up to fight battles for things of perceived worth. If you have battles in your life this morning, could it be is because the enemy sees the value that you're about to inherit and he's wanting to keep you from experiencing those things because there's power in the promise of God in your life. So of course he's going to show up. Of course you're going to get hit with a bout of anxiety. Of course fear and depression and these types of things. Your alternator dies on your car. And, you don't, and now you're broke and now you're having... I get it. Could it be that's the best sign that you could look for? Because you're so close to taking away the very thing that the enemy did not want the Hebrews to get, and that was the promised land. A forward faith will require us to take steps forward even when it seems impossible to obey God, and we don't have what it takes or makes sense. You're going to have some people who don't understand what you're doing, and I'm just here to tell you, be faithful to the Lord. Let the Word of God support your decisions and let people who love Jesus and like you affirm what God is telling you to do, okay? Well, guess what? They're all there. Sure enough, here's the Jordan. This is where we pick up in the harvest season. The Jordan was overflowing to its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark of the presence of God touched the water on the river's edge, what happened? What happened is the water began to back up in one direction and the other I think there's two things in this that I want to share with you. The first thing is the presence of God was with them. If you try to obey God without the power of God, you're going to fail miserably. This is why some of you are serving the Lord, but you are burnt out. It's because you're trying to serve the Lord without the Lord's presence and blessing on you. Some of us are A-types, we want to climb. We want to achieve. We're, we're good soldiers. But God has never designed any of us to be burnt out. 
There's, we can get tired, but burnout's different. You have to have the presence of God go with you because God is your source to give you the ability to do what he's asked you to do. Often we go, thank you for the call of God in my life. I got it from here and I'll figure it out. This is why people tap out of ministry. God's presence was with Joshua, but when their feet touched the water, what this is saying is if you remember the first time, the Red Sea, what happened? It parted. They just stood there and just watched the Red Sea open up. But this time, because they have been matured and the Lord has developed them, what's taking place is they're actually having to step into the water now in order for the water to split. This is so beautiful. And this is an indicator that God is showing us that as you follow him, he will continue to increase your faith and your level of faith. So they have the presence of God. They step into the water. It splits open. And then all the people crossed over to the other side. Guys, if they squinted, they could see the promised land. Now they've all crossed over, finally, and now guess what they're up against? Jericho. Oh, seriously, oh, we would be excited about that? Uh, if I'm Joshua, I'm like, seriously, Lord, Jericho, we just did the Jordan, we've had the wilderness, we've had, why? Why? Sometimes, guys, you just have to understand that the Lord's going to put a Jericho also in your path as soon as you cross over into the promised land. And you're like, son of a gun. But guys, this is not just a nice little village to stay the night. This is a horrible place that they have to overcome and defeat. Look at this picture. This is what Jericho looked like. I spent a little time last night drawing this for you guys. And um, so <laughs> do you notice anything weird about this town? How many walls are there? There's two fortresses. But I want you to look at the next. This is the side view. Now, this is a little bit more in line with what I would draw. But look at this. This is a picture. So see, like that's Joshua and his buddies down there. There's a, there's a retaining wall, then the first wall. Then you got to run uphill and then overcome the second wall to even make your way into Jericho to beat people up and take their things. Without Jericho knowing, by the way. This is going to make some noise. The reason why I share these story or these pictures with you is because a forward faith that lives out loud cannot approach obstacles and enemies in our paths the way humans do. You're going to have to employ supernatural weapons in order to overcome the Jerichos in your life. Second Corinthians says it to us this way. We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments, meaning lies, taunts, threats, Intimidation from the enemy, whether it be through human beings or the enemy himself. We have to understand when we try to fight back the way people fight with us and we retaliate with revenge, we retaliate with gossip, we retaliate with manipulation and sarcasm and criticism or whatever else, and we try to fight back against our enemies in our path, we've already lost the battle. Because we can't fight this way. The Bible says, God says, look, stop fighting the way the world fights against things. I want to put my own weapons in you. You don't know about them, but I got a secret stash here, children. 
take from these and you will find victory. So God tells Joshua, you and your men, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to walk, march around this town one time a day for the next six days. Does that sound normal? Like if we all had to put our heads together, would we go, we just need to get our steps in. We just need to get our Apple watches ready and get some step, close those rings, man. But God says seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, the presence of God, each carrying a ram's horn, an instrument of worship. On the seventh day, you march around seven more times and the priests will blow the horns. And so a forward faith requires us to carry the presence of God within us and use the weapons of worship. What we just did a couple of moments ago, this was not the warm-up act for the preacher. We were worshiping a living God. And when we worship in spirit and in truth and broken hallelujahs, it is an incense to the Lord in which it invites the presence of God to say yes over your life. So thank you, Pastor, for your leadership. Thank you for taking moments to honor the Lord and to worship in spirit and in truth. God bless you. You're a gift to this house. I hope that you all let him know that and his team. So the presence of God is with them. They have instruments of worship. Let's see what happens. So he calls together the priests. He says, take up the Lord's covenant and the Ark of the Covenant. He assigned seven priests to walk in front of it. They each carried a ram's horn. So the Ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. And then everyone returned to camp that night. Day one. I'm sure they're like, this is so weird, but it's kind of exciting at the same time. Then day two, they wake up. They eat their Pop-Tarts. They drink their coffee. Let's get after it again, boys. So they're out, presence of God, walking around Jericho. They can't say a word. They're just walking. What about day four, though? What about day five? What if the weather's like it's been currently here? It's 138 degrees outside, right? 70% humidity. Maybe the novelty's kind of worn off, right? Maybe this doesn't sound as fun anymore, obeying God, because it makes, actually looks kind of dumb. It looks kind of stupid just to walk around walls, and somehow you're somehow going to have this big, fat victory. Sauntering around a city typically doesn't win battles. But this is what God told him to do. I wonder if what's happening here is with every step of forward faith that these people were making... God was empowering them with greater faith. Sometimes the Lord just say, circle. Not because I, that's how you're going to win the battle, but I'm going to refine your heart a little bit further to where you just do anything I ask you to do in faith, and then you get to see me do all the things I want to do. A forward faith will sometimes feel like you're just walking in circles instead of moving forward. I want to tell you that, and some of you really need to hear that because you're hearing this and you're like, I've been, it's been more than a couple of days, David. This has been a year, five years, 10 years, some stuff. You've been walking around your Jerichos in your life for decades. Same wounds, same people, same challenges, same sin struggles. At what point are you going to see this thing fall in your life? And you're frustrated, and it's understandable. All I can tell you is this. Maybe you're on day five, but the Lord wanted me to really make sure I made this super clear. But some of you are on day six. 
and you're like, I don't know how much more I can do. I am begging you in Jesus' name. This is not theater here. I'm asking you, please don't give up on six because some of you are on day six. Don't give up now. Please. Day seven is right around the corner, literally. Please don't give up. Please. It could be your marriage. It could be your job. It could be mental struggles. It could, but day seven is around the corner. Look what happens. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up. They marched around the town as they had done before. And this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, the priests blew their horns of worship. Then Joshua commanded the people to shout. Because when you raise your voice in obedience to God, it shatters strongholds. When you worship God, guys, it makes the enemy flee. I'm going to say that. I got to get out of here. I'm so sorry. I've gone three minutes over. But here's the bottom line. I think some of you, if the Lord has put this on my heart, some of you, you need to go home and turn off, please hear me out, turn off whatever voices that are in your house electronically that are arguing, fighting, debating 24-7. And I encourage you to put on worship music in your house and just let it play and then begin to worship with it. It will change the atmosphere in your house. It could be the reason why everybody's at each other's throats in the house is because you're allowing things to, you're bringing people in and voices in your life through TV, through media, through Fox and CNN and whatever else. What are they doing all day? They're arguing, they're fighting, they're creating, they're just, right? That could be why y'all are fighting towards one another and everybody's on edge because if you hear arguing all day, what are you going to do? Play worship, worship the Lord. Okay. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho just collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and they captured it. A forward faith by the power of the Holy Spirit is a determined, unflinching faith. If God tells you to do it, there's a way to be able to carry that out and to see him be faithful in your life. And Hebrews reminds us of this, and I'll close with this. Therefore, 1910 Church, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses to the life of what? To the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance in Jesus' name, 1910. There's better in front of us, in front of you, and for this church, but we must begin to move forward in forward faith. Run with the endurance that God has given us and he has set before us. But how? We do this by keeping our eyes on the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, Jesus Christ. Because of the joy that was awaiting him, he endured the cross. He disregarded its shame. And now he is seated at the place of honor beside the right hand of the Father right now. What does that mean for you? It's not just yay for Jesus, it's yay for you because he completed the job. He defeated your enemies. He overcame the power of sin, the power of death, and the power of the forces of hell that would seek to keep you in domination and slavery. Jesus, through his sacrifice, has paid the price for you so that you can walk in victory, not because you attained it, because he's already attained it for you. That's why the Bible says you are more than conquerors through Christ who loves you so. So, 
There's no battle, there's no enemy in front of you that God can't overcome and defeat. So take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit everything you do to the Lord. And the Bible says, Jesus says, trust him and he will help you. And remember, we have been rescued from our enemies so that we can serve God without fear. Luke says, and we can serve God in holiness and we can serve God in righteousness for as long as you live. That's the word of the Lord. This is what happens when you take the Bible in its totality and go, okay, this is for you. Would you stand to your feet? Because if you do, it's going to make me get out of here quicker. So sorry. But... um, Maybe you came in this morning and you're like, the story that actually stuck out to you was, had nothing to do with Joshua. It was actually my testimony. And I was just sharing my story and you could relate to some of it. But I made a statement that has bothered you, not because of me, but because of what has stirred in your spirit. And the, the statement I made was, do you know what's on the other side of your last breath? Do you have confidence to know what you will encounter What if there really is a heaven and what if there really is a hell? What if there really is a cosmic justice that says you've lied, you've manipulated, you've lusted, you've done bad things? What if there really is a justice where you have to pay for those things? But what if there was also a way to have those injustices satisfied, covered, and washed away to where your criminal record says not guilty for what purpose so that you can have a relationship with your creator God so how do we do this because the Bible says good works cannot get you there Jesus came and he died on the cross to pay the penalty and take the justice of your injustices upon himself God put his wrath on Jesus on your behalf for what purpose? So that you could simply, simply just say please and thank you. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. So to go to the Father and have a relationship with God and be reconciled with him and the promise of salvation means you have to trust in Jesus. And so we say thank you for this gift of forgiveness. Thank you for the salvation. Well, how do I get it? The Bible says just ask for it and he'll give it to you. Don't leave here today without knowing the answer of where you can go because the Bible says this is so simple even a child can understand it. So how do you get it? You ask. If you don't know what to say, pray with me. Just repeat after me, but tell him as your first step of forward faith. If you want to be saved right now and forgiven and reconciled with God, pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, just tell him in faith, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, but right now, With the faith that you've given me, I put it in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. And I'm asking you to save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. And from this day forward, I make you the Lord and boss of my life. In Jesus' name. And if you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says you just got saved and you were just forgiven of all your sins and you were just reconciled with God who will never leave you or forsake you. And so if you just prayed that prayer, the count of three, just put your hand up so we could celebrate that decision. One, two, three. If you just prayed it, 
Come on, put it up super high. God bless you. I'm going to invite the prayer team up right now. If you just prayed that prayer, please now come forward and let us pray with you and celebrate the decision that you just made as we continue to worship Jesus. Come on.